Today is not your standard episode of HHMC. Our friend Josh Reed, he's out in the mountains. He's having what I can imagine is the greatest time of his life. And honestly, every Thursday when I'm sitting here waiting for Josh to come to the podcast, I feel like Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting. I'm like, you know what the best part of my day is? Is Maybe one day I'll be sitting here waiting for the podcast and you won't be there. No goodbyes, no see you later, no nothing. Just left to the mountains. So Josh, I wish you the best. We'll see you next week. But today we have Rebecca Hammond, and it was awesome. I had such a good time chatting with Rebecca. Uh, she's a deep thinker and who I, who I would consider a leader in the OCR space, and not to mention a uh, kick-ass athlete, as you guys know. So during the episode, we talk about how to overcome injuries, how to handle the highs and lows of racing and training, and how finding your life's why just can make things easier. So I love this conversation. Lots of great insight to the mindset of one of the best athletes we have here in OCR. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation as well. Here we go. Rebecca Hammond. Rebecca Hammond, hello. Hello. How are you today? I am good. I'm uh, sweating my um, fluids out of my body right now. It's kind of hot up here in Boston. How are you doing? Doing well, the same. The weather, we were just talking off air, like the weather in, in Mass and, and in Philadelphia, pretty similar. Would you say? I mean, I think it's definitely colder in the winter, but the summer's up there. I mean, you don't really catch that much of a break. It's still pretty yeah. bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. You just got to deal. Makes It makes you tough, tough people, right? Totally, totally. Um, cool. So I'm definitely excited to, to get into some things, talk about some training. Um, I feel like you have a lot of good, solid advice to share. Um, but first, we're going to ask some random questions. We call it the rapport round. Are you ready? Sounds good. So if you could live in any city that is not the one that you live in now, or say where you're from, from home, where would you pick? Um, so Boulder has a great training and social scene. Uh, but to be honest, I might choose... See, that's an interesting question for me because I tend to be pretty itinerant. Like I move from place to place a lot. And right now I'm supposedly moving to Boulder, but I'm kind of like uh, spending half my time in Boston. Uh, I really just want to get a van and live in various places, I think, because choosing one city is too hard. You picked all it's like how many wishes would you want? It's like my first wish would be to have infinite wishes. So you choose yeah. to live in all the places. Exactly. Okay. But basically mountainous places. I love I love um I like high mountain places. So like uh, Boulder, Santa Fe, Flagstaff, one of those places. Yeah. And, and that is something I do want to dive in with you is because it seems like you've lived in more urban sea level places, especially getting into obstacle course racing and you've done so well without the mountains. So I want to like pick your brand about like how you've done that because a lot of best racers, you know, they are living in those areas. Is, is that why you'd want to live there for training or just because of like the whole like mindset around the mountains and being outdoors? So I think it, um, it started with, um, like back when I, back when I was running Spartan races, <laughs> Spartan races still happened and they were at altitude and I was training for altitude. Um, I would look for places I would, I would go spend a month um, at altitude, like in Tahoe or, um, in Colorado, et cetera. And, um, when I was like looking for places to go stay, I was, you know, looking at altitude maps and figuring out where I could go to at altitude. And so I built this positive association with places at altitude. And mm. so then whenever I was in a place at altitude, I like felt happy and relieved. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, like I'm preparing for the, the race at altitude. And so, um, I kind of started to associate that, you know, that feeling when you go to altitude, you kind of like notice that feeling where you're a little bit loopy. Yeah. 
I like that feeling. Like that would be, you yeah, that I like that time. feeling. And so I love that feeling. And I love how um, it just gets a little less hot and how the vegetation changes. Um, I think I'm quite familiar with the vegetation down here and I'm someone who loves novelty. So as soon as it changes a little, I'm real happy. Uh, I mean, so who's to say whether I'd get used to that and then get tired of that. But I, at the moment, I love high altitude places. So. Right. And, and if you had a van and the high altitude, just come down the sea level, yeah. see some different vegetation. Exactly. It seems, it seems to work that way. Yeah. And I've I had that same feeling about places in the mountains and like high altitude. And like, because I always, I wanted to do better at these mountainous races. Mm-hmm. And this year was the first year I decided, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go after like Decafit, High Rocks, stadium races. Like, this is what I want to do. And then I was, I stopped caring about the mountains. <laughs> I stopped like obsessing about living right. in the mountains. Right. <laughs> um, so in your opinion, what is the best medicine slash like hospital based television show? Oh, dude, I just started watching this um, new one. I don't really watch so much TV, but um, I watched one day of TV uh, and two episodes of this new Netflix show. It's a documentary about Fox Chase Hospital in New York City. It's hmm. fantastic. It must have been made by doctors because like watching it, it's like, whoa, this is this is what it's like. Like this is like being a med student and that you get to skip around to the funnest parts of things without all of the bad parts of being a med student, i.e. like having to stand around for hours when nothing's happening and um, being really tired and being on your toes because you're having to perform for people. But you get to see, you get this like behind the scenes view of um, like hospital life, what it's like to be a doctor. Basically it's fantastic. And I think, I feel like um, in med school, you know, we were like taught to really like respect patients and like, Oh, you know, patients might get really upset if they hear you laughing or something. And the thing is when you're like, it's really stressful to be, you know, dealing with sick people, having people die around you all the time. And so doctors end up, you know, making jokes and having kind of gallows humor, this kind of dark humor, yeah. uh, just to kind of survive. And I feel like this show um, humanizes doctors in a way that hasn't really been done before. So I would highly recommend it. Fox Chase. It's on Netflix. It's just called Fox Chase. Is it telling a story or is it just following specific <clears throat> char- like the characters, a quote unquote? Or yeah, is it like a narrative? specific um, characters. The it's following like a set of neuro. Oh, I've only watched two episodes, but so far it's following a set of neurosurgeons. So that's fun. Be- also because like I'm not into neurosurgery, so it's I get to learn some things. Uh, and also a um, an OBGYN chief resident who's pregnant. And so it follows like the neurosurgeons and their patients. This OBGYN who has this pregnancy that isn't a normal pregnancy and also a, an emergency medicine physician. And you get to see like what it's actually like to be an ED doctor where most of your patients are like, you know, homeless or just, I don't know, just, it's, it's really good. <laughs> and from someone like from outside, obviously it would be helpful to see like how these people are actually human beings. Like you said, humanizing the actual doctors. Cause they are put up on on, pe- on pedestals, people in the medical field, and we just want them to be perfect because they're the ones who are going to be taking care of us. So I think that that would be a worthwhile endeavor. Are they hour episodes or half hour? I'm not sure. It'll, it'll, it'll rope you and won't even matter. Right? Yeah. Um, what is an unusual habit or something that is absurd that you love? Something absurd that I love? Hmm. Well, something that I do, which I didn't think was very weird because it didn't really strike me as anything, is I put uh, fruit stickers on my hands because when I'm about to eat a fruit and I have a sticker on it and I have to do something with the sticker, an easy place to put it is just on my hand. And I just like did that without thinking. And then um, one of my 
yeah, one of my exes was like, oh my God, that's so funny. And like started like really talking about it and like doing it himself and like playing <laughs> it out. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's interesting. Uh, like on the was, back of your hand or like on your finger? In the back of my hand. Hmm. So people always be like, whoa, there's like, you know, bonanza or whatever like thing fruit it is. So I don't know, there's something. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I just eat the sticker sometimes. I'm just like, I'm just eating Do you really? I have. I will do it. Hmm. But do you I'll think it, it out too. I would imagine. I don't know. I haven't like done the Check. proper research. You have, have you like you haven't enough. dug through your poop? I'll send it. I'll send a sample away. Send it to a lab. If you have any recommendations, I will gladly. I'll let take you know, and, and I will cool. send it out there and see if everything is good with the sticker that goes through. Cool. Um, <laughs> cool. So, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten in your personal life? Hmm. <clears throat> um. So this isn't the format it was given to me, but um, but I think to put it simply, relationships like treat your relation. You know how people say your body is a temple, so you should treat it well. Well, relationships are also a temple; you should treat them well. So when you start a relationship, you have to like make sure that you really have to start off on the right foot because when you're when like. Um, your relationship with your significant other, you spend so much time with that person. You become so vulnerable with that person that if in um, like in a couple, in like 20 years, if you don't have healthy sort of interactive habits, interaction habits, then it's going to be really hard to get out of those habits because you're essentially training your own like emotions with this other person. You're like talking to them and they're, they're like, they're training you, you know, like when you grow up with your parents, you're being trained by like your environment, your, your brain is learning how to interact. You know, when I do this sort of thing and that thing happens, like that's, you know, it, it's learning. And so the same happens when you're in a relationship with somebody because you're spending so much time with that person. So if you start that training off wrong, you're going to train yourself to like react to them in a certain way. And then like if like toxic relationships, that's where, it's really hard once people are deep into a toxic relationship to fix things, because even if you, it's like clear that there's a miscommunication or a misunderstanding, somebody like one of the, like you might get so triggered by something that somebody else says, you might just get that strong feeling of anger that you can't even like listen to them talk or explain themselves. So I would say that the biggest, the most important thing that I, or the, the something that I would try to communicate to everybody is that when you're starting off in a relationship, fucking treat it well, like treat it right. Like be nice to the other person. Do not um, be mean. And if you're mean, like talk about it, talk about stuff. Yeah. Explain why you're mean. Like, and is that what that looks like in practice is um, essentially just honesty, like setting up the foundation of things or yeah. is, it, is it kind of like we could call it even like base training, your base mileage in your relationship needs to be totally. set first before you start stacking on top. Totally. Um, no, I mean, that makes total sense. And like, it's a good piece of advice because like, is the opposite, like, what would it be the opposite look like? Would it be just kind of playing power games or just like having some sort of internal struggle there instead of just being honest and, and like, yep. Power games, not really. Like if you, if you're feeling a certain way, not telling them, um, being manipulative or, um, trying to be like indirect about things or mm. yeah, basically like being dishonest about your own feelings. Any, mm. like if you're being dishonest about your own feelings or not telling them about your own feelings and that, that tends to be uh, not good. Cause yeah. 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 And I've, I've, I found that it can be even 
in a different respect, like if things are going well and, and you feel like you're on the same page as somebody, like you can still have miscommunications without it being spoken and having that foundation laid and being open to share back and forth. Cause you might be thinking you're thinking the same thing because you're agree a lot across the board on a lot of things, but you don't know. You just totally. Don't know. Open communication is so important and setting like starting that super early uh, because it's hard to talk about your feelings when you're if you're upset. It's really hard to talk about that because you just want to like, you know, if you're upset, you just want to like hurt. I don't know, like uh, you, you might not even know what you want, but it's like hard to just talk about it because it feels almost like you're giving up sometimes. But mm. if you get in that habit really early and build like this trusting relationship where you're sort of like your brain body knows that it can just talk about stuff with this other person because good stuff will happen then that sets you up for success later. If you, yeah. Yeah, I like what you said about like the analogy of when you're a kid growing up and you learn to act certain ways. Like that is a relationship's like its own thing. So it's a, the yeah. whole the whole analogy, bring it back to the beginning. It's like, it's like a temple, treat it well. It's mm-hmm. good advice. Cool, Rebecca, you made it through the rapport round. Well done. So um, just for the people listening, tell everybody a little bit more about who you are, what you got going on um, as a person and as an athlete. Yes. So my name is Rebecca Hammond. I am a professional obstacle course racer. Um, I grew up in California, went to college in outside of Philly at Swarthmore College, ran um, D3 track, was an All-American in D3, and uh, ran post-collegiately in Norway, where I did a Fulbright research on tuberculosis, then started at Harvard Medical School in Boston, um, where, which is why I've been in Boston for the past, um, now five years. Um, I graduated in 2019, so I'm a doctor now. And, um, after I started obstacle racing my final year of med school and, uh, decided that instead of applying straight to go straight into residency, which is further medical training, um, I am taking time off to be an athlete. And this year with COVID happening, I, I've decided to apply into residency. I'm going to psychiatry. So um, I'm like going through those applications now to start in 2022, I believe. So I have one more year being this, whatever I am. So what is that process like? Because isn't it typically you go through med school and then you kind of get matched? Is that how that works? And then you go and um, do the residency that way? Or how, what, what is that like now? Like where, how does that affect like where you're going to be? Um, COVID or residency or what? Uh, residency. residency. Isn't that how it works? Like you go through med school and then when you go into residency, you kind of have like your top three choices and you get matched. All Everybody gets sent to their destination yeah. in one day, essentially. So you apply as if you're applying to, you know, anything. And then you get an interview if they like you. And then um, after the interview, like on a certain day by on like March something or other, or maybe December, something or other, you submit a rank list where you rank your top 10 programs or rank, I don't know, however many programs and you set them in order. So like, this is my first choice, second choice, third choice, fourth choice. And all the residency programs do the same for candidates. This is my our first choice candidate, second choice candidates. And then a big algorithm called the match, um, you know, takes all of that information and matches people with programs. And so then you're give you're like, you get this letter, like a paper letter, you open it up and it tells you where you're going. That's so wild. I always it's thought so it was wild. crazy. It happens all one day too, right? It must be so exciting for people. Like, what is this going to be? Every like your whole life hinges on this letter that you're going to totally. get. Um, totally. Well, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that you were taking a couple of years to 
pursue ath- athletics here. Um, and it's unfortunate with COVID that we're going through that. And I know you also were kind of going through some injury battles. Anybody who follows your, your journey um, last year, you had some injury ups and downs too. Um, so tell us a little bit about what was going on with the injuries and kind of how that's been battling um, in this, these past couple of months. So I basically like as long as I've been a runner, I've had these sort of chronic injuries that have kept me from running too much. So um, I was a sprinter in junior high. In high school, I was a sprinter, moved a little up to mid-distance. In college, I was mid-distance, post-collegially mid-distance. Um, I, like, but basically, I always got these like medial tibial shin splints. Shin splints, you know, like little girl injuries. Um, and that kept me from running more than like two to three times a week. So that's basically how I operated. Um, through post-collegiate track and field. Like I was a miler. I probably would have been a five care, but I couldn't get enough mileage in. So finally in med school, I um, quit running because I was like, this is when I was in med school, there was enough boring stuff happening that sitting on a stationary bike for an hour was just too much boredom. So I gave it up. I gave up running and started CrossFit. Um, and yeah, so anyway, like CrossFit eventually brought me to OCR and with OCR, I started trail running and discovered that I can do a lot more trail running than I can road running hmm. the uneven terrain. Um, so that brought me through 2018. I like ran pretty regularly and was able to do it just because of the uneven trails. Uh, then 2019, um, I got this Achilles injury and it's, I'm not exactly sure why I have like a little bit of, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, but anyway, I got an Achilles injury and it was the kind of injury where it's like, you're not going to tear, I probably wasn't going to tear my Achilles. Like nothing horrible was going to happen, but it was so painful that if I kept running on it, um, it would have just like been painful for longer, you know, it would have been harder to heal. And I was like, F that, like I am over running with pain because it's just not fun. It just makes like, it's weird right now when I'm not injured, I look forward to runs. And that is such a weird thing for me because I'm so used to being in pain and just like dreading the run. I didn't even really, I wasn't because I was injured all the time. I wasn't even aware that that was part of the reason why I didn't like running, but Mm. I just associated with pain. Mm. And so anyway, so last year um, I got this Achilles injury at one of the early races, maybe the second race of the season. And um, after that, I just like, I tried to keep training kind of, and it just kept hurting really bad. And so I sat out the next race and that took me out of uh, contention for the series. So, um, so I kind of, yeah, but I think that was the right decision. Um, And it was tough though. It was a tough decision. And I think a lot of people who are dealing with these sorts of injuries where it's not like, like if you break your leg, it's easy because you can't run. But if you have some kind of chronic thing, it's like really hard to make those decisions. Yeah. And the Achilles one in particular is tough because there is like this period where you'll run for like five minutes be like, is it gone? Is it gone? Every step you're like, am I okay? Am I okay? And then it slowly comes. And then when I had it, uh, I remember it just kind of disappeared. Like, I don't even know what happened. It was just running one day and it just never never started to hurt again and that's what you hope for every time you run with something that's soft tissue like that that you're like okay okay, maybe this will be the time where i'm not injured and like you keep wanting to pushing it and like you just kind of set yourself back on that um so like what what made you get to the point where you just were like all right i'm just gonna have to hang this up like it's not getting better um so i tried to run big bear and then like it hurt so bad 
at the top, like I made it up the giant climb. So I'd yeah. done all of the elevation game yeah. and I started the descent and I was like, I can't, I don't want to do this. Like I was like over halfway done. I only had downhill left. And I was like, I don't want to, like, I can't, I don't want to run right now. This hurts too bad. <laughs> and after that, I was like, okay, like if I don't want to finish a race, like I'm all the way done with uphill and I'm just coming downhill and I don't want to finish a race because it hurts too bad. Like it's time to just like shut it down for a little bit and just let it go away so I can be good for the rest for the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Uh, and I like did a bunch of the, you know, all the Achilles exercises and it, they really work. What kind of things are you doing? It's like eccentrics and uh, just a lot of like calf mobility things. So I was doing um, weighted eccentrics um, with like, you know, carrying like 60 pound kettlebells in each hand. So I was mm-hmm. also getting my grip workout in. Nice. <laughs> and, um, um, yeah. So weighted eccentrics, it takes for freaking ever because you like take 10 seconds to lower yourself and you do like, three sets of 15 or something. It's like so incredibly tedious, but it works. Cause it's not a, like, and the, the, the rate at which it works tells me that it's not, you're, it's not that you're like strengthening anything or stretching anything. It's, it's really that you're like rewiring the connections down there. You're, you're changing the coordination of um, the like Achilles to calf muscles. Hmm. And that's, that, and that, it makes sense to be able to go through that. And I think that's kind of the idea behind the eccentrics, right? Is that it can kind of straighten things out where it might be kind of in a improper alignment more or less, or you had, or do you think it is more of along the lines of like what's firing and like the the pain signals that are going through? I think it's probably both of those things. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I think it's both those things, but the Achilles is just such a massive tendon that like that thing, that thing's fine. You know, the fact that it would get injured the way it does. And so many people, like it's not because it's about to rip. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, it is just a tough one. And yeah. when you were going through that um, and through the process and I'm just, cause it sounds like that's kind of been your process for almost your entire time as an athlete is trying to balance how to become more fit while not getting injured. And I guess to a certain extent, we're all doing that, but when you are only able to do two or three times a week, uh, of actual running through post collegiately. Like how did that, how, how were you able to balance that and continue to improve your fitness? Was everything quality when you were on your feet and everything aerobically was done on like a bike or in the pool or how did you balance that? Yeah. So basically I did workouts on my feet and, um, just kind of maintenance aerobic stuff, um, cross training, but it wasn't, it was not fun and I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't do it again. No. That sounds no. awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some people, some people are like, just really love, you know, like exerting themselves. I don't know if I do, I guess I do, but uh, like cross training, even now. So I use an elliptigo now for my cross training. I still nice. run every other day and cross train every other day. Oh, cool. The elliptigo is great. It's like a bike, but you're doing an elliptical motion. So it's like pretty much the, I would say it's the best cross training for running. Um, even with that. So it's way more fun than anything stationary. But even with that, like I still, I'm still like, I procrastinate more for my elliptical workouts. Even if it's just like go out for a 90 minute easy elliptical ride, I procrastinate more for that than I do for like a tempo run. So I just, I like, I like running. I like running mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. And are you filling that space with other work as well? Like um, you mentioned CrossFit and, and strength training and I post some pretty cool things on like core work um, and rock climbing and things like that. Are you, are you trying to fill that open space or how are you getting like the total amount of volume in? what's that look like for you? Um, the volume is basically with the elliptico and running. And then okay. if I, um, if I can borrow somebody's bike, I bike sometimes too. And back when there were gyms, I would do rowing as well, but there's not gyms anymore or maybe right. there are now going to be, but 
Not really. yeah, I'm not sure. What's, what's it like up by you? Is it, are things open at all? Things are starting to open up. Like I think July 6th, Boston entered phase three of reopening. So I think some gyms in Boston might be open now, but my, the gyms that I use, Brooklyn Boulders, which are in like, um, you know, other neighboring little towns uh, are still closed. Huh? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that happened to us too. We were supposed to open everything uh, like gym, as far as gyms last weekend, but we pulled back right at the last second, like gyms, never mind. maybe at the end of August, I think they're, it's probably the right call at this point, but yeah. uh, it's a bummer. It's a bu- I just feel bad for like the gym owners, you know, you get to know them totally. and, and they, they got their hopes up that they were going to get back in order, but just have to wait it out. Um, but speaking of wait it out, like that's kind of where we're, where we're all at. None of us really have a, a race and, and we were talking off air about potentially West Virginia happening and Utah happening and Spartan being pretty aggressive in terms of like pushing those forward. But all season long, they've, basically dangled races out in front and, and just canceled them uh, leading into it. So I'm, I'm not convinced that these races are going to happen If any races are going to happen. So what's that been like now that you're coming back out of injury, like have, where's your mindset as far as training and like the motivation to kind of keep your foot on the gas? Has your, has your mindset shifted at all on that? Yeah. So I think, um, once races, once like races started being canceled because of COVID, I kind of gotten this like, oh, I guess races are canceled mindset. And it's been really hard to get out of that because races are fun, but they're also, it's like, you know, it's a big source of anxiety. So the relief of like not having a race, once you, once you kind of taste that, it's like, oh no, now there's going to be a race. Now I have to like get all geared up again. And what if, and the other thing is like, if it does get canceled, then like if I'm gearing up for a race, like the month leading up to the race, the two months leading up to the race, like I'm not a fun person. I mean, you know, okay. I'm, I'm a fun person, whatever. I'm always a fun person. But <laughs> if I'm like traveling with, like I was in Australia traveling with my boyfriend before, um, like basically right as COVID was starting to hit. And we were like, I was training there, you know, like I, I couldn't just like jack off and like do whatever and like drink and like whatever, like not, you know, not work out in a day, go on a hike instead. I was like, I, I borrowed an ellipse to go there. I was running, I was training hardcore. And that, that like, it puts, it's a lot of, it's just like a lot of stress to get your workouts in. So mm-hmm. then my race was canceled after that. So it's like, Oh my God, that whole time, like all of the sort of procrastination and anxiety and whatever, like, Oh, am I going to get my workout in? Blah, blah, blah. All of that that I went through, I could have just been having fun at that time. So that's a little bit like, like, thinking back on that makes me kind of, I don't know. It makes me kind of like want to know whether a race is going to happen because it's, it takes a lot of energy to gear up for a race. Um, mental energy mostly. So I agree. And, and yeah. And from a practical standpoint, being able to position your training to point to a certain thing, it's like, okay, if I wanted to peak for West Virginia and now it's canceled, it's like, okay, well now where does this volume go? Like what happens to all my training now? And, um, so with, with that is, did you just think that the, the year is kind of over? Um, and has that changed what you're doing in terms of the training? Are you just kind of going into maintenance or is there always going to be a certain level of, of intensity that you have when you're, when you're, uh, working out? Um, I mean, right now I'm doing, I'm probably training as if West Virginia were happening. I have a coach, Kim Nadeau, and she makes my, she does my programming, um, and so I assume that she's been programming me as if I'm running in West Virginia, but like the main thing that's happened is I've had a lot of trouble with motivation for lifting. And so 
um, after like a two week period went by where she was assigning me lifting and I like, wasn't doing it. And she's like, well, let's just like, how about we just, you know, not do lifting for now. And then we'll start up again at the beginning of July, you know, for West Virginia or Utah, wherever you're going. And so I said, okay, yay. So, um, I just started lift. I'm just starting lifting again. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting some good workouts in it's yeah, I I'm probably, I'm not as, so if I, if, if this were a regular season and like West Virginia were definitely happening or Utah were definitely happening or I, I, or my brain was convinced that they're happening, I would be doing a lot more. Um, like I would be, uh, I would be doing my recovery routines, but I've kind of, those have kind of fallen by the wayside, my lifting and my recovery routines have kind of fallen by the wayside and that, and even if it's like, so yeah, so it makes me more injury prone because I'm not doing my foam rolling. I'm not doing my tennis ball rolling. I'm not doing my car buffering after every workout. I'm not being as careful with my nutrient timing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if like, so, you know, that itself makes a little bit of difference, but aside from that, like just the focus that that, like the amount of time that that takes in my day means that I'm doing that instead of, I don't know, doing something else. And it it's, but that's actually a good thing for me because my brain operates best and is the most relaxed when it has a very structured and time consuming stuff to do. <laughs> like it, like when I have like unstructured days, it's really hard for me to just stay focused and so yeah yeah and i i guess that would, was kind of what i was thinking with that because you mentioned has like the the race day anxiety has that always been a thing like even like high school collegiate all the way through yeah and and so and now like have do you continue to race and kind of push forward because of the structure that it, that it brings you is that something that you just like to have just because you just mm-hmm. feel like it is a productive way to live Oh, I love the way you put that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the reason why I stuck with track for so long and then fell into Spartan racing is because, um, like that anxiety feels, makes it feel so real. Like you Mm. feel like I I just would feel like horrible for like the whole week leading up to something, unless I had more frequent track meets Then you know, if I, if you have two track meets a week, then you can't feel like the whole week leading up to it. It's just the day or something, but still like that, that like big, like feeling of anxiety and then the huge, high after the track meet like that was sort of like my drug that was like my meaning in life because like I didn't want to think about um you know what I was going to do in the future or the fact that life feels kind of meaningless (laughs) so I but it was just like really nice to have that um to hold on to I think it's like yeah like if I think it's it's why a lot of people get into drugs same thing it's just that society doesn't look down upon this (laughs) and like when you finish there is there is a, a, a a feeling that goes along with that as well and is and when you're done with the race, I mean, you can go through it and it's fun and like you get some feel goods, whatever. But there's also when you push yourself to a point of like going somewhere where you're not familiar with going, you can kind of finish and you have an, another feeling that kind of can fill that where it's like you can be like proud of the effort that you put forward and proud of everything you that that led to that point or like you can be disappointed. So it's like this huge like payoff of a race and then after something needs to fill that as well. Like, is that kind of the flow of it all for you as well? I'm sorry. So you're saying that like, there's a big high and then there might be a letdown because you didn't perform well, or there's something that needs to fill what that feeling of anxiety was leading into the race. I see. And either it's like disappointment or it's like pride or, or, or so you're saying that it's it's going to be matched by a, a feeling of similar um, strength, like regard like because I, I think so. I, I believe like in my experience, it's kind of what I feel from it. Is always do you have that similar? Or is it kind of like you're done with the race and it's like okay, back to feeling oh no, there's a big, there's a, the next thing. Um, no, there's like a big if 
there's at least like a day or a couple of days of like, ah, feeling so good. And just like, you know, replaying and like thinking about it. And yeah. Like it feels really good. Yeah. And that feeling too, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, like that is another reason to keep going after it. And like, would you ever do like, cause I know some people obviously Spartan puts these races on and people fly to Jacksonville during uh, a pandemic to do a race that doesn't count for anything. So there is, there are people there that are doing these races out of just the, the pure enjoyment of them. Do you see yourself ever being like that? Or is there always going to be some sort of competitive piece there that like is going to help keep the structure together? Yeah. So I guess maybe it's kind of, well, at this point, like I don't, I don't really identify with that. Like I, I, like going and doing a race for fun, like doesn't compute to me. Like I I just, I just, I think, I guess I haven't ever done that in my life. So it seems like so weird to do that to me, you know, just because it's always been such a big thing. Like it'd be hard for me if I were out of shape right now to go and just like do a race, it'd just feel horrible. Or it, it would be impossible for me to like go do a race and not try. I guess if, if my coach told me, okay, this is a workout, you're going to hit this pace, then I could do it. But like just going like, oh, I'm just having fun. If I'm going to see that time afterwards or going to compare myself to people that I, that I know, like I, it's really hard for me to think about doing it for fun. I'd need a big break. I, yeah. And I think trying hard is fun. Like if I would to go, I would either have to try like, so not hard. I'd have to like walk right. and like literally like be playing another game or doing something else right. during it. It's like that is actually fun, but like right. trying hard is what's fun in these. Because so. it's engaging your mind. Like for people who have, um, who like need something sort of extreme to, to focus their minds so that their mind, like all the kind of noise in their heads kind of goes down. Um, that's the kind of person who's going to have a hard time just doing something easily. Cause like, it's like going on a hike is really hard for me. Oh, cause you're just like walking. So, I mean, if it's like super steep, so you have to hike and you're exerting yourself, that's fine. But if it's just like, Oh, I'm just walking slow for no reason. Like why are we going so slow? We could be going so much faster. <laughs> so stupid. That's hard for me. You know, I, <laughs> I feel like go do a run first or something to calm down. But I want, I want to like hiking. I do. Yeah. And it's always like, Oh, we should go on a hike. I'm always like, we can go on a hike. I suppose. I'll wear a weighted vest. <laughs> exactly. I'll carry all this stuff. Let's pack a huge picnic basket. I'll carry it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and so like, well, to get to a certain point, like you do like with all the structure and everything you're kind of putting in place and all the, the things that you have in line to kind of lead to the racing and everything that we just kind of talked about. There is a lot of things that, you seem to have to juggle, right? And like, I'm fortunate, I don't have a family or anything like that. So I can kind of focus on like my business and and the, and training, you know? And it seemed like before this year for you, like you had a lot going on and I can only imagine what the demands are of med school um, and training full-time and traveling to these races. So like, how do you prioritize what to do in in terms of like training and uh, like your regular everyday life? Um, back when I had a lot going on, like in med school, it was actually, it was like, it felt easy, but it actually wasn't, um, like it felt easy because I didn't really have to make too many decisions because I didn't have much time. So when I had, um, I mean, okay. So my performance in my rotations probably suffered because I was literally like, I'd have like a shift, an emergency medicine shift. And then, um, (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, I was like squeezing in workouts in places I should not have been squeezing them in, you know? So I was like a little bit late to stuff and that's not okay when you're a med student, like you gotta be on time. You gotta be five minutes early. And so I'd like sprint in, like finishing my workout, like pouring sweat, like, you know, right at the, at the line. Um, so my performance in my med school probably suffered because of my training. Cause I, but, um, but, um, now that I don't have that structure, it's like, it's harder for me to stay focused because I'm not, so I, I, I told you that I need structure and I love structure. That makes it sound like I'm somebody who's really good at creating structure, but I'm actually not. I'm kind of a open-ended person. Like I like keeping things open or my, my propensity is to keep things open, but actually like, I know that I'm happiest when things are not open, when things are set, but I have a hard time setting them. Mm. So I, or I, like, it's just hard for me to close off possibilities, I guess. I always feel like making a decision is shutting down possibilities, even though <laughs> that's just a stupid way to see things because it's just pointless. Um, so, I mean, it's not not true, right? It is no, like, yeah. like a zero-sum game. There's only so many hours in a day and so much bandwidth. So, I mean, right. I haven't thought about it like that, but I understand. Right. It's not, not true, but when you're, when you're so – like I used to I, – I get so frozen um, by feeling – with that feeling that I end up – letting time be my decider. So I end up like waiting until all of the options are no longer options. This is procrastination, I guess. And there's only one option left. And that's mm -hmm. the one I do. But if you think about that, like how deliberate are you being with your life? If you're always just letting time decide for you, like you can't make as many decisions. You're just limiting yourself when actually you could be, if you're thinking ahead and like deciding like, what is it that I want? Then you can make decisions to get there. But if you're just like, Oh, it's too late. That's like the funny thing is I ended up doing a Fulbright in Norway because of this. Like I waited too long to do other things. It was the only thing left to do <laughs> that mm. I could still apply to. So I applied to it last minute and did it. But like with like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I had thought more ahead of time, but it's just, it's a silly way to live. Huh? Because, and like you're saying, just because you don't want to make the choice to, so you don't eliminate other choices and is, is so like with it being open-ended now, are you just like picking up a bunch of hobbies or are you just picking up no hobbies? Like, have you been able to put a fail safe in there for yourself or have you done that with things like school and racing and doing like all these opportunities that have been put out in front of you? Do you like just start saying yes to things more or? Right. What am I doing now? So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm not used to, this is the first time in my life where I've had, a lot of unstructured time. I've never had this before. So like before, like always in my life, I was super busy. I was doing like two sports and school and blah, blah, blah. blah. And so this is the first time in my life where I'm not. So the first year or so was, was a big transition period. I mean, I guess I'm still in a transition period, but now it's COVID. So things are also different. I don't know. But it was weird for me to realize, oh my gosh, I'm so used to not doing stuff for fun. To, I, I'm so used to like just operating on autopilot where I like literally I would like get home from something like be like go into the shower, get out and like blah, blah, throw something on and like go meet somebody somewhere. You know, I was just like running around, rushing, 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 like, you know, running like red lights on my bike, like just getting, you know, biking 40 <laughs> miles an hour to get somewhere. It's ridiculous. Um, and coming out of that, it's, it's like, it took a long time to realize, Oh my God, like you can bike slowly. Like you can take your time. It's okay. And like the first, <laughs> the first year was probably just like figuring, like realizing, Oh, it's okay. Like, this is fine. Just take your time. It's okay. But because I um, wasn't used to having time, like I, I'm not used to doing stuff like watching a movie for fun or doing something for fun. I'm not used to that. So it, it meant that there was a lot of time where I was just like, ah, like feeling anxious and not doing anything. 
now I'm starting to, <laughs> I, well, now I'm working for money. Because, um, so I'm like, I'm a med school, I'm a med student, med school application consultant. So I'm um, helping kids write essays. Hmm. I'm um, like advising kids on where to apply, um, look, reading over their applications. And then a lot of it ends up being kind of like life coaching because like I spoke with a pre-med the other day who was really worried about like different options. And we just like slowed down and like talked about what, um, like, what would be best for her in life, you know, not just focused on med school. And that's, that's kind of what I find the most rewarding. Also helping people with essays. is like helping them tell their stories, which I love. So that's also like figuring out, like you end up like figuring out with them what's important to them, which is really cool. That is um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And having like a light bulb go off for them. Be like, okay, I, I guess that is something good that I do. Totally. Um, so when I was doing just some research for uh, this podcast, um, I do what I typically do and just go on Instagram. You can learn a lot of people, about people on that. And your Instagram is great, by the way. Very, very honest. Very, you have a great things to say, meaningful things to say. Check it out. Um, but you did make a post about mindfulness on there, I noticed. Um, and that was something I did want to, to talk to you about because that, even in just the last you know piece of the conversation we just had, it kind of was going toward there. It's like just being able to, learn to let go and that's something that is often brought up in mindfulness is like just letting it go um so has that been something that has come into your life recently or is that something that you've been uh like working at having in like your your routine um for a while now yeah so before um i was yeah wow uh mindfulness has been something that's been hard for me i guess like before i i would i would achieve what mindfulness achieves sort of by like, by like exerting myself super hard. So in my workouts by like super rushing. So I was always in a complete rush. So when, when my, when I was entirely engaged like that, like you, you're able to be a little more mindful, although you also have this like anxiety that's driving you. So as soon as I had to slow down, um, I then had to learn how to be mindful because my, I was someone who was so used to going around so quickly that once you start to slow down, like my inner impatience just like goes crazy. And so I had to learn how to get um, like how to be open to the stimulus that was all around me at all times. So like just sitting in a dark room, like there is stimulus and that is enough to just sit there and survive. Like before I, I like felt like I would die if I like had to sit somewhere for still. And now it's like, okay, like I can do this. Like stuff is happening. I just have to notice it. And so that's, that's been huge. And um, meditation has been huge, huge, huge. That's an interesting way to put it is about the stimulus being all around. Cause I've kind of done something similar and I've found myself in the same kind of patterns is just like needing to have something to do. And regrettably more often than not, it ends up being like on my phone or on Instagram. It's like, I have time that I'm not doing anything. Let me just scroll through mindlessly where like, I've literally like said that down and just like laid on the ground for the past, like for some time these past couple of days and just like laid there, didn't nap, just laid on the ground. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, this serves me. This is cool. This serves me even better than looking at my phone. Like this is so much better. Um, but have you worked in meditation into your uh, like routine? Like how have you found that to be helpful? So I meditate for ten minutes every morning. Like one of the first things I do, I get out of bed, make my bed, and sit on it and like meditate, sit up. Um, and it's been really good. Um, so one thing it's like very relevant for my training because one thing that I've noticed is um, 
when you're exerting yourself in a hard workout and you start, your body starts to tell you to stop, you know, it's that like uncomfortable feeling. It's like, you should stop. You should stop. You should stop. You should stop. It almost feels kind of like anxiety. And the weird thing about it is that if you, if you like try and like shut that feeling down, like try and like move away from that feeling, it almost becomes worse. And I found with meditation that, um, so when you're meditating, I, I use a guided meditation. I use waking up by Sam Harris. Um, when you're, when he like, you know, when he's quiet for a while and my mind starts to wander in the beginning, when my mind would wander and I noticed myself thinking, I'd be like, ah, stupid. Like, you know, you shouldn't think. And I'd like feel this kind of like bad feeling. I was like almost punishing myself. And that feeling felt kind of similar to, in a weird way, it felt similar to when I'm working out and my body's telling me to stop. It's this feeling like you need to get away from that feeling. It's like a bad feeling. Mm. And um, I, after a while, I realized that if instead, like when that would happen to me during meditation, if instead of like moving away from that feeling, if instead I kind of like felt that feeling too, like felt it as if I heard something or whatever, like focused on it, whatever, like let it happen, then it didn't come as much. It, it like wasn't, it didn't feel as bad. And then it wasn't as strong the next time it came maybe, or even if it was, it didn't matter because it didn't feel as bad. And as soon as I picked up on that, like I started doing that during my workouts. Um, and it's really great with when you're starting to push really hard and that feeling comes on that you should stop. If instead of like, ah, feeling, I hate you. If instead you're like, Oh no, like that's okay. Hey feeling. And like, feel it and like, feel it in its full intensity. And you realize like, Oh, that's it. That's all there is. It's just this feeling. It's nothing like the world's not going to end. You know, it's like not super scary. It's just this feeling. As soon as I started like sinking into that, I'm, I found that it's, I don't know if I've been able to push more, but I found that it's a lot easier to push. Like I don't dread hard workouts as much anymore. Cause I know that when stuff gets really hard, I can just, you know, feel it and it's fine. Um, yeah. So that, that's been really nice. Huh? Yeah. And that, and that, that feeling that, that comes in, it's what we all, are trying to almost hope doesn't happen during workout. But that is that like when that feeling comes, that's when that stimulus that's happening that is going to pay off the most for your fitness, like that's where it happens. So if you're in the if you're trying to avoid that or you're fighting it and not and like steering away from it, like you're not going to get the most physical benefit out of it as well. So I love the idea of letting it happen. Was that like do you remember what that was like when when that first came in or is just like all right, let's just see how this goes or was like, do you typically have like some sort of like pump up talk, like, or no weakness, keep pushing. And one time you're just like, no, like, let's just see if I don't die here. Um, it happened. So I normally don't say anything. I'm like pretty, pretty nonverbal during my workouts, except, except if I'm like singing one line of a song in my head over and over and over and over Mm. again. (laughs) Um, but, um, I, it happened, it was, a, I was like feeling really bad. So some days like I have, I struggle with mental illness, I guess. Uh, just like, I, I don't know if I get like, there's some days where I just have, I just have this like really unpleasant feeling, like just so unpleasant. Like I get out of bed and it's just like, ah, I feel awful. And like, it's almost like, I don't know. It's like, and then my brain just looks for reasons why I'm feeling so awful and I just feel horrible. And it's like actively uncomfortable. Like just, just being is actively uncomfortable. So it was one of those days. Um, and I was going out for an elliptical elliptigo ride. Um, and so I was like, Oh, this is horrible. Like it's horrible. It's like hard just to function. It's like even worse to like have to kind of low level push myself for a long time. So it was during one of those days where I was like, Oh wait, like, this is fine. It's all just a feeling. And so I like, I like realized that it was just a feeling during my ride or not realized, but remembered and remembered to practice feeling it as a feeling. And, um, 
oh, I guess this wasn't a maintenance rise. It was an actual workout. And then during one of my intervals, it was almost like I just relaxed my mind during the interval. As soon as that bad feeling came on, I relaxed my mind and it just felt so good. Like you get this burst of good feeling and you're able to push harder. It's like, it's so nice. Like there's no, there's no downside to it because it just makes hard stuff easier and it feels good, but it takes practice. Like you just have to practice like relaxing your mind, you know, and like your body doesn't relax, but yeah. Yeah. And that's what meditation essentially is. It is practicing, just letting the thoughts come like acknowledging them when they do come, letting them go. And, and that's something you'll hear sometimes like, oh, I'm not good at meditation. It's like, this isn't a contest, you know, like you need, and you still need to practice. Like you can get quote unquote better, but you need to practice that yet, which is also nice for the workout. So you don't have to put yourself in an uncomfortable, dangerous situation all the time to practice that. So um, it's nice to, and you think that's a, that's a direct uh, result from the meditation? I think so. Cause I'd never been able to do that before. And it happened like when I was meditating so I, after I started meditating regularly for a while. That's awesome. So yeah. just like that alone is enough to just even try it. And there's so many of those apps out like that one, that one is probably a paid. There's a couple paid ones. I use a free one just called insight timer. Um, it's not mm-hmm. as, it's not as structured. It's like really loose and all the way out there. So some of the structured ones I feel like are a little bit better at first, but um, definitely glad that, that that's something that's been in your life. Now, how long have you been doing that? Um, now it's been a couple months, a few months, maybe three months or something. I think when I made that post, it was like 10, a couple weeks into it, maybe. Um, so it's been a few months and it's, this is the second time in my life that I've meditated. The first time was a couple years ago and, um, it really helped me at the time, but then I kind of stopped. But thinking back on it, I realized that after it was like during that time when I first started meditating ever and like the subsequent, like, you know, during that period that I learned how to like deal with my anxiety as a sort of physical sensation as when I started to like see what I call my anxiety as something that's like, not just the world doing something to me that it's actually like this feeling in my mind and my experience. And um, so meditation has been huge for me both times. And now it's been a few months that I've done it and it's just like so great. And it's one of those things like if you don't, once it's like you fall out of it, you kind of forget what it was like when it was in your life. So you don't think anything's changed until you start it up again. You're like, Oh, that's, oh. that's why I was doing this. That's it's like when you're sleep deprived for a while, you like get used to feeling really slow and stupid all the time. That's <laughs> like so a body feels normal. And then so you get a good night's sleep. And you're like, oh my God, what have I been doing? Like, how was I so stupid for so long? I can't believe totally. I was talking to people. I was like walking around that stupid. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. And, and I don't know if this is along the same lines, but, and it sounds like that, because you are taking these two years um, to pursue some things, it seems like some things are a little bit more entrepreneurial as well. Like your whole thing, like as an athlete in, in as a professional athlete, essentially you're an entrepreneur, you're out making your own living and um, doing some of the, the life coaching and helping people with um, the applications and things like that. Um, it sounds like you've made some, some decisions recently to, to kind of push yourself forward. And it, sounds, it seems like, from the outside looking in that you do have a lot of opportunities presented to you. Um, and like, so I'm just curious how you kind of go through the decision-making process to see what's going to serve you best. Or if it's kind of along lines of what we were speaking of before that you just brought things in and just saw and just like worked it out as they came, or is there a process that you go through to, to like take new things on? So until quite recently, I kind of felt like I was just flying by the seat of my pants and like would yeah, I would let, you know, I'd let time make my decisions for me. And I was just kind of like doing random stuff. It's like, it's like you're trying to get to the top of Kilimanjaro, maybe, 
but you're just like wandering around at the base and you're just like taking random turns like, and you don't even really know where the top is. Um, I worked with a life coach. Um, this one, Yana Robinson, her name's Robinson, uh, for a little bit, for a couple months. And she, her big thing is to find your truth, which is basically like your, your, um, like, what is your reason for living? Like, what is your, what drives you in life? What is your ultimate like drive? And you come up with a single statement and you say like, this is my like life, my, my reason for living. This is what I want to do in life. And then it's like general, it's like specific enough that it um, resonates with you, but it's general enough that you know, it's, it's like, you can have it forever. You know, it's not like the thing, your drive for today. It's like, no, this is going to be my thing forever. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that, um, like your particular job, whatever you're spending your time doing for your work, like it, um, you just want to make sure that it's working towards that, achieving that goal or statement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that having that goal is great because it means that your job can change as long as you're still working towards that thing. So like maybe you're getting at it by being a doctor. Maybe you're getting at it by being a writer. Like, but th- that thing doesn't matter. Like what you're actually doing doesn't matter so long as you're moving towards it. And as soon as you start thinking about things that way, it's just like so relaxing. Cause I feel like I used to feel like I was just like clawing to move up, 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 but I didn't know where I was going exactly. And I knew that also at some level that it was impossible to achieve the weird thing in my mind that I was supposedly going for, like this weird feeling of greatness. I knew I was never going to actually get there because it's just like, it's an impossible feeling. It's just like this high that you're seeking, but it's, it can only ever be fleeting. So um, like, as soon as I, as soon as like I worked with her and was like, okay, like, I'm going to, I'm going to like work towards this goal. And then I realized like, okay, like psychiatry would be in line with that. And it's just been sort of things have been more simple. I've been able to relax a little bit. So it's been nice. And that sounds like just having like a compass more or less, right? Like mm-hmm. which direction in my head is just like, like, Oh, that's right. I have that thing. Was that process hard to, to like uncover? I mean, you don't got to take us through it or anything, but like, I could imagine like, Oh Yeah. And like kind of the things that you, that you mentioned, like striving for greatness and just that's kind of the system we're kind of put in, right? It's like mm-hmm. push as hard as you can, rise to the top, like like be competitive, do all these things, take make take these steps. Um, so like when you had to boil it down to find what your um, like guiding light is or whatever, your goal, your big goal, like was that hard or did you have to do some searching for that or was it like right obviously in front of your face? Um, I mean, it takes a little bit of work, like thinking, writing, but it's not like, you know, some writing is like really, oh, it's like really boring. You have to do it and it like sucks. But this this is just like free writing. Like you're basically writing stream of consciousness to get there and just really thinking. And it's it's quite satisfying because, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but it's not it's not unfun work. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. It, it could just be part of like just journaling and just writing whatever comes to your mind. And there's probably a feeling there. I would imagine that you're like, okay, yeah, this is true. This rings true when I say this to myself or when other people say that, that it, I can consider it that. Um, and do you do that with like your training? Cause that's something else that is like with all, with new races popping up, like I know you did a high rocks, right? Like, are you kind of doing the same type of thing with that? Or is it just like, what's going to kind of how, how I mentioned before, it's like, Oh, I, I, thought I wanted to do these races in the mountains, but turns out I don't, I want to do these other races and it made me feel so much better. Um, are you kind of doing the same thing with your, your training and where you're going to gear your, gear your performance toward? Um, so like basically did I use my why statement to figure out what races I was doing? Yeah. Like, is there a competitive, is there like a, a race? Why? 
Well, so I don't have a separate. Well, now, now that I know my why, so I guess the why that I came to, which is actually sort of a working why, like it's going to change because it's kind of encompasses half of what I um, am interested in. But it was, um, I want to help people discover the freedom of being. That was my why statement. So basically like helping people realize that they're, they create their experience with their minds. Like your entire lived experience is synthesized by you. Like you are creating it. And while that could sound scary because it's you know, everything's just you and like, ah, uh, it's actually quite freeing once you realize that. Um, so as soon as I kind of realized that I was like, okay, like this whole racing thing, like this is, it's great. Cause I get to connect with a lot of people. And um, like now, you know, I have social media followers. I can like connect with them about and like help them with this. But um, it made me realize that this is more of a thing that I do just for fun. This is not like my life's work, you know? Mm. So that as soon as I acknowledge that, well, I have to like practice acknowledging that <laughs> um, it's stopped feeling like it, if I work on acknowledging that it working out these races, like they will stop feeling as heavy. They will feel lighter because I'll realize, Oh my God, like this is just fun. You know, like I'm just doing this for fun. And then it won't be like life and death. and like, ah, like I'm just so anxious. Oh my God. And so it's like, no, this is just fun. This is just a hobby. Like it's fine. You know? And, and, and the, the funny thing is I'm guessing that as soon as I get better at that, like I'm probably going to get better at the sport too. Oh, smashing it. Yeah. You're gonna be yeah. All races. Are you looking forward to that? Like that's something that I was thinking, like, are you looking forward to, um, to going into races now that you have a why and you're kind of like looking at it from a, a, a bigger picture, are you looking forward to seeing how that may have may help or change the way you approach your race day? Yeah. I'm interested because it's weird. Like <laughs> on the one hand, like I know that having a why and like, uh, you know, having, other things in life other than racing, like having a, a boyfriend who's not an athlete. Um, it's, it's like, it's really great. Cause you get perspective having this whole like medical thing that I'm into, like becoming a psychiatrist. Like it's, you know, you could say like, yeah, it's amazing to have those other things in life. And it is, and it makes me happier, a happier person. But the, and like, that's what I want to help people attain. But the truth is, or I don't know if it's the truth, but unless like, okay, you look at the top, women in OCR, all of them, like at, at world championships last year, both Lindsay and Nicole, like smashed everybody. Nicole smashed everybody. And both of them were dating other professional obstacle course racers. Right. Both of them were like living their entire life around obstacle. I mean, you know, not exactly their entire life, but they're super focused. And it's true that when you, if you believe that I'm not saying that these ladies do, but, but if you believe that obstacle course racing is everything or your sport is everything and there's nothing else in life, like you probably will work harder. You probably will do better. So like some of these top athletes who have been top athletes their entire life since they were children, like to them, like their sport is their why. And I, it's like, I'm not them and I don't want to be them because like what happens when your sports and what happens if you get injured? And that's when those people find out, like when their sport is over, when they get injured, like, yeah, maybe they become a coach or something, but they end up having this like giant life change when they're like, Oh my God, there's other things in life that matter. Um, and yeah, so it's a weird thing to grapple with because I still feel this like passion for competing. And so that's, I think that's why I haven't been able to quite let go and feel it as something light because I know, or I feel, I still believe, I don't know if it's true, but I still believe at some level that, um, I have to kind of believe that it's really important for me to, um, 
like really do it, you know? And like, I also know that when I've been at my best athletically, I've been super anxious and like had total trouble sleeping and like been medicated up to sleep. Like, cause I was just so anxious all the time. Like that's when I performed the best. That's when I performed the best in the past. Huh. I, it's not to say that I can't, I mean, I, it's interesting to see, I'll have to see now whether I can get like that without all that mental suffering. Like it's been a lot of suffering, but then at the same time I had this weird high of being really in shape. So we'll see. I, it's, it's, this is uncharted territory for me. So. It's like, it seems like both the worlds are, are colliding, right. And like, doesn't know like what's going to come from, from that collision of, of it all. Like, so it's going to be fun. It'll be yeah, really cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, very cool. So we'll, um, yeah, I don't want to keep you all day, but, uh, and that was something that I was thinking as well, that this, this sport has helped give you this a uh, platform, right. To kind of elevate you to, again, help, people with like your ultimate uh life's why and i can kind of get that feeling from you that you almost have like it seems like you've like emerged as like a leader amongst the ocr athletes somehow i don't know how but it just seems that way um and uh i, I was curious if, if that was something that you have tried to facilitate be, because now from what i learned about like your life's why or if it was just kind of like a byproduct of um kind of like how the message that you want to put out there. Is that anything that you feel? Uh, like, do I feel like I'm a leader in the OCR community? Yeah. I mean, I am insofar as I'm one of the top athletes. I don't know if relative to the other athletes, I'm a leader in OCR specifically. Um, like I'm starting to figure out what I'm into. Like basically when somebody really knows what their why is like what they're really into like you can see it and like it they're they're they just become inspiring like because they're super inspired and that's contagious um and i think for a while uh, i don't know i don't know if i feel like an ocr leader maybe maybe i mean i i hope to help people and um like i hope that people trust that what i say is what i mean like that I that I'm not um, trying to be dishonest and that's part of why I've had trouble like with some sponsors it's just like I, I have trouble I, I like can't I can't say something that I don't really mean or feel like, I, I can't yeah. tell people to do stuff if I don't really want them to do stuff so it's just oh, like man. oh that's really hard <laughs> I know that's the, the thing about that type of stuff like being like a ambassador or a sponsor for some product or something you're just like it's like fine, <laughs> like yeah, you can use it if you like. Um, yeah. But like that—that is how you come across. Not not against the sponsors, but you come across as um, being honest and it, and authentic. And I feel like people do care what you what you say and what like the message that you have there. So um, so I think it, it's working. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, yeah, just last thing. What are some of the goals that you're thinking for this year? I know things are all up in the air, but say every say the season is going to happen. Um, or what were you kind of looking for? What, what are you thinking for the rest of the year? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, that's easy. Like with, with if like when you talk about sport goals, the goals are just to win. Like win. you know, my goal would be yeah. to win whatever thing it is, or like do as best I can. Um, I'm not, you know, if I feel like my performance was at my best at the time, then I'm not going to be bummed. I'll only be bummed about a performance if I feel like if there's like things that I can like regret about that day. Like oh my gosh, like I I don't know, but I. I, if I feel like I didn't push my hardest, but um, yeah, my goal is to win whatever there is to win. And um, yeah, if not win, just do my best in them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, like you said, pushing your hardest is the ultimate goal, right? And like if yep. enough to win, then 
that, that's, that's great. That's the goal, right? Yeah. Um, are you going to try to do any of the deck of fit stuff? I mean, it's like, you're going to have to travel places. I don't know what, like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about traveling. I don't know when I'm going to be okay with like going to Florida because that's where all the races are going to be. So before the season, the reason I didn't, I haven't signed with Spartan. And the reason I didn't sign with Spartan is because I was deciding whether I was going to do high rocks or Spartan and then COVID mm. happened. And so it's like, Oh, this is like a silly question. Um, but yeah, I was thinking I would focus on high rocks if high rocks were happening, but since it's not, or maybe it's in Amsterdam in October or something, but like U uh, S can't even go to Amsterdam europe right now so who knows what's happening with that um i get i'm just i'm gonna focus on spartan i'm gonna focus on whatever is happening so yeah. if it's happening and it's paying then i'm gonna go there um yeah high rocks has a couple of uh domestic dates still set there is a boston there's a new york they're all in like october november um december they haven't canceled them yet yeah um, i don't know yeah. i mean u.s is gonna have second waves and like if it's if it's a place like boston or california like you have to go someplace in the South that doesn't care about the safety of its <laughs> residents. That's what, like, did you see the thing with um, Spartan pulled? Uh, they said that they're, they're not going to, I don't know if they said that, but speculation is that they're not going to be in Abu Dhabi for the world championships. So I just assume it's going to be in Jacksonville. We're just going to yeah. back to Florida. We'll just all go down there and see who doesn't get yeah, sick. Everything's going to be in Florida. Yeah. But that's where the two decafits are. They're down in Florida. But yeah, I can't imagine a high rocks is going to happen in, in New York or there is a New Orleans. There's a Houston. So maybe a Houston. That might be a go. Um, this could happen. I'm just yeah. Yeah, So we're just going to have to see because like, you know, COVID's coming back. Because like if you're – as you start to open stuff up, it's not going to get better because we don't have a vaccine yet. So it's not going to get better if we're opening up. We have, we're nowhere near herd immunity, even the places hardest hit. So like, it's going to get worse again. And um, you know, what, what people are trying to balance is like the economic um, impact with the, you know, death toll. So basically as long as our hospitals aren't overrun, they're going to like accept more deaths, I think. Um, it's going to be like balancing that, like when there's more room, open more stuff. Rooms yeah. fill up, close things yeah. down. Like, is that just how we're gonna have to operate? You think? I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how much, like, what they're, what price they're gonna put on life. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so like, there's gonna like stuff is starting to open up, and like California, I think just had its highest um, death toll today. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like like more than the first wave or whatever it was. So as that starts to hit the south, um, I think we'll see we'll see what happens with the races later because like waiting until october is not that's not going to help you know like maybe it might be better to do it now because now that it's not crazy yet but it's starting to get crazy and i think it will be pretty crazy by october we'll see we'll see i don't know i just don't know yeah yeah it's all all we can do is speculate and just maybe we'll race but i'm really not counting on it i would like yeah. to but I'm not, I don't think it's yeah it's like too much mental energy to count on it yeah exactly yeah. um well, cool, Becca. I really appreciate you, you hanging out, um, chatting chat with me. That was awesome. I had a great time. Tell uh, tell the people like where they can find you on socials or your website. Yeah. So my Instagram is Beckham, B-E-C-C-H-A-M-M. My um, website is RebeccaMingHammond.com. I'll be updating that soon. So I'm going to, I'm um, opening up to take on some more life coaching clients. Um, yeah. And, uh, Facebook, I think, is at Harvard Hammer. And that's it. Uh, I don't have TikTok yet. I should probably get that. I don't get on that. Yeah. Get on that. Are you on TikTok? <laughs> I have one just because I wanted to see what it was like. And have you ever even been on it? 
So I, I actually guess I technically am because I my nephews are always on it, so I downloaded it. But I like don't understand. I'm like an old person now. It's insane. Like you know, Instagram is mindless enough, but you still have the power to kind of scroll and like where to stop. You put as soon as you open TikTok, there is a video playing. Like it doesn't like it just puts something in front of your face, and you're just like, oh. And then I'll just show you something else. And like, whoa, it is so mindless. Like I can't. I'm like scared of it. I'm like I can't have this anymore. Near. <laughs> But that's that my that is my theory about it's gonna be a good thing to have because what happened with like Instagram, like people were established and that was like kinda hard to get established on Instagram, you know, like there's celebrities on there, they come in and all everybody's parents are on there. But eventually people are gonna move to TikTok and when all the parents and everything move to TikTok, there can be people who are on there early and established with a bunch of followers. So I think you got to strike. I think you gotta get mm, on there. Gotta strike. Dude, also wait, does does uh, Facebook own TikTok yet? No, I don't think so. Oh, they're probably going to soon, but I, oh, I hate Facebook, Instagram. I hate them. They could be doing, they could be using their platform for so much good. And they're not like, if you think about like, you know, Russians, uh, influence on the previous election, like that, all that stuff happens through social media. Like we, they, 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 they have so much money and they could be making such a difference. They could be brainwashing us for the good, but they're not, they're just totally greedy. It's, Oh, it makes me so mad. And we're all working for them. We're all like creating good content so that people stay on it longer. So they make more money off of advertising. It's like, it's insane. Do you think that they will fold? Cause I mean, he's been pretty set and like, Hey, this is not, that's not my place. Like I don't, I'm not here to monitor what people are saying or Twitter has kind of gone. They've, they've, taking some steps right to at least give like flag different things that are being said as maybe not truthful do you think facebook will fold or do you think it's just they're just gonna i don't think so i think they're gonna fold the other way before they fold i don't know we'll see i mean like if if i mean instagram you know facebook is like dying now now it's only old people like as soon as everybody moves to instagram then that's gonna die and so we're gonna move to the next thing so they're but they're probably just gonna buy tiktok you know like that's the annoying thing like they're big enough now that they're just gonna buy the next thing as it comes um i don't know i'm i I would like to be optimistic but i kind of doubt it but then that again then again like is i don't know it's like you know, it's a whole other discussion about like censorship. Like how do we know that we're censoring the right thing? I don't know. Right. And when it's private companies, right? Like when there's there's one person who has the, 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 the authority to do that, like, is that his place, you know, or. Yeah. But then if like, there's so many, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's (laughs) Yeah. The answer is like, yeah, you should do the right thing. But it's like, well, what's the right thing? What's right there? Um, oh, cool. Again, I appreciate you hanging out. Uh, after I stop this, we'll we'll be back on that first screen, so we'll be good to go. So, appreciate you guys hanging on, listening, and we'll see you later.